Hey everybody, Dave Hagen here. Today we're going to talk about the wealthy barber. Not a person, but a book. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Financial Wellness Podcast, or the TFWP, as we like to call it. Not with me today is Mr. Brian Reed. He's taking a well-deserved vacation, and he'll be back in a week or so. We're coming to you from beautiful downtown Van Nuys. For those of you that are not in the California area, that's kind of near Hollywood. Today, I want to talk about not a person but a book, a book called The Wealthy Barber. And let me tell you how I came to get to know about this book. This book is hanging around my house. And it's on the coffee table and it's on the bookshelf. And I'm going, yeah, whatever, the wealthy barber, don't need to know about that. It actually belonged to my wife. And she tells me that it's required reading for a certified financial planner certification at UCLA. So now I'm thinking, well, now it's probably a high-end book with a, with a funny title. Sounds maybe interesting. So I read it over a recent vacation. I read it a couple afternoons. Not very difficult reading, very nice conversational reading. And after a couple of days, I pretty much had it digested. I like this book. Let me tell you a little bit about it. Um, it was originally published in, in 1989, and it's been on the bestseller list on and off for years. It's sold millions of copies. It's maybe 190 pages, so it's not a real long read. In fact, I was looking around the house for it uh, just the other day as I was preparing some of my notes for the show, and I had forgotten how thin the book is, actually is. It reads more like a novel, and it's got financial advice kind of woven in, and, and that's kind of nice. So many financial ad advice or personal finance books are just kind of dry, and this is a story. It's a story about a barber who's been very successful in his personal financial affairs, and he's got a couple of his customers who come in and start asking him about what he's doing because it's starting to get around town that he's wealthy. And over a series of, I don't know, four, five, six, seven, eight meetings with the barber when they come in to get their haircut, he gives them some advice and then a little assignment. And he provides them with common sense and wit about how to organize their financial affairs, their personal financial affairs. And they have different issues going on in their life. One's a single person. Another person's a married person. There's one person that spends a lot. There's another person that um, doesn't have any real estate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But by the time you go through this uh, book, you have a pretty good rudimentary understanding of the basics of, of personal finance. It's an easy read. It's not a long read. You can get it on Amazon for about 10 bucks. The author isn't paying me to review his book or pitch it today. I just like it. And who wouldn't spend 
10 bucks and a couple of evenings to read a novel full of good financial advice. It doesn't get any better than that. Check it out. All right, so let me tell you a little bit about the author because I've come to know him a little bit. You know me, I'm always thinking when I see something, either it's on the internet or or even a book, I go, well, who wrote it and, and why did they write it? Um, I think that's one of the most necessary tools and, and areas of inquiry that we need to follow up on in this this internet age. In fact, I think it's such a critical skill that they should be teaching that in, in all of our schools. So this book was written by David Chilton, and he's a Canadian citizen. He wrote the book in a, in, when he was 25. So what did I say? Back in 1989, he was 25, and he wrote the book, sat down and put it together. And he later wrote cookbooks about how to eat and cook healthy. Does that sound familiar? We talked about that on some of the podcasts. So we're all kind of in similar veins. I'm starting to like this guy um, a lot. And we've put some people up here on the podcast in our pantheon, like Warren Buffett. We've spent a couple of podcasts talking about some of the wit and wisdom of Warren Buffett. And I think that it may be that David Chilton will now become part of that pantheon of independent, high-level common sense thinkers in the area of personal finance. Now, I'm not saying that we need to be all in and follow him, you know, like a complete follower. I don't think that we need to completely adopt all of the philosophies of the people in our pantheon. Rather, I think that we can pick and choose some of the different things that they say or some of their various philosophies, evaluate them, and if they work for us, make those part of our own personal philosophy. So what's Mr. Chilton's philosophy? Well, you really need to read the book. I know, again, it sounds like a pitch and it's not, but you really need to read the book and you really need to enjoy the read and maybe a couple of notes, not more than a couple of sentences, perhaps on a, on a chapter, but he talks about savings and life insurance and investing in retirement and home ownership and all of these things. But the key takeaway in my mind, the biggest highlight is his recommendation that you take 10% of your pay every month, put it in a long-term savings account, and watch it provide you with financial wealth over the long term. And I think the key, at least for me, and we all react to different philosophies or thought patterns differently, but the key for me is that he tells you to pay yourself off the topper first. He says, put it away, take 10%, don't look at it, put it in some kind of a fund, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit, but pay yourself off the top. And then all the other things that you do during the month kind of fall into to place. Now, he calls it the 10% solution. So I'm going to talk to him about it and reference it as a, a 10% solution. As we're talking about personal finance, most of the time we talk about putting together a spending plan each month, not a budget. Remember, budget's a bad word at TFWP. And we talk about creating a circumstance that yields money at the bottom each month. And that's the, the money that we want to invest. It's the money that we want to have left over. But to create that leftover, it means that we have to limit ourselves with all of the other expenditures. 
And it's not always easy to have some money left over for investing every month because stuff happens. Cars break down, medical bills arise, repairs need to be made, et cetera, et cetera. And it's very hard to consistently have that money left over. And so his approach is different. His approach is take it off the top, put it away. That's your long-term savings. That's going to be your personal wealth. And then the other money that you have left over, which is the bulk of it, frankly, it doesn't matter so much what you do with it. You want to spend a lot on a car, spend a lot on a car. If you want to spend a lot on a house, do that. If you want to spend a lot on going out to restaurants, doesn't matter because you've already created and taken out that money off the top. And I think that's a great way of looking at it. In fact, Chilton says in his book that, you know, when you take this 10% off the top and you, you move it across to a different account automatically each month, you hardly even notice it. In fact, your lifestyle adapts to what's left over and you don't even feel it. In fact, this is kind of the thought behind employee withholding tax. The money comes out before you get the you know, but before you get your check, or even some of the thought behind this new California savings plan, CalSavers, the money comes out of your check. And if you're not getting the money, or if you're not seeing that money in a physical way, it's not part of your, your net paycheck, it's not really affecting your lifestyle because you adapt your lifestyle based upon, hopefully adapt your lifestyle, based upon the amount of that net check. Now, he doesn't even say in his book whether he's talking about gross or net, because in this world, the difference between gross and net can be pretty significant, right? Gross is what you earn, and net is really what you're taking home, what your paycheck is. And from his perspective, it doesn't matter so much. In fact, I saw him in an interview, and he said, hey, I tried to be specifically a little ambiguous about that in the book because I really didn't want to get people too much hung up on specific numbers. Now, of course, it's better if you take 10% of your gross. That's more powerful. And you're still not going to miss that. But the important thing is you set it up so that 10% comes off the top every month for your long-term personal wealth. And he says if you do this, your financial future will be more than likely very secure. Now, he gives some examples um, in his book. Here, here's his example. $200 a month for 30 years at 15%. Now, 15% return on investment is probably a little high in terms of expectations. But for his example, $200 a month, which is nothing for 30 years, which isn't someone's full lifespan in terms of work, it's not their full lifetime capacity, at 50%, at 15%, I'm sorry, yields $1.4 million. And most of us are going to work for more than 30 years, and most of us can afford to put in $200 a month and not even miss it. In fact, I think a lot of us could put in more than that and not even miss it. So, um, if you're looking at the long term, if the money's coming out off the top, if the money's coming out without you knowing about it, it can be extremely powerful. Now, I wanted to look at a slightly different parameter. So here's here's my example. If you make only forty thousand dollars per year, your entire life, 
which you won't. You're going to make more than that. For sure, you're going to make more than that a good number of years in your life. But let's say you only make $40,000 per year and you put 15% of that, 15% of the gross in a savings for 40 years at 7%. Now, 7% a lower rate of return than his example and 15% a little higher deduction out of your check than, than his example. And I'm talking about 40 years. But 15% of $40,000 for 40 years at 7%, which you can for sure get if you're investing long-term, if you're playing long ball, what do you think that that's going to yield you? $1.1 million. Now, there could be some tax that's due on that money if you didn't put it into a proper type of account, like if you didn't put it into a retirement account like a Roth IRA. That money is going to have to be taxed, you know, depending upon the gain in the fund and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is that if you take the money off the top, do it automatically every month, enjoy the miracle of compounding interest over many years, that you'll have a very large sum of money down the line. And I think the takeaway for me, the magic of this book, The Wealthy Barber, is exactly that. Now, Chilton recommends that you put money in something with a long-term view, something almost boring. Does that sound familiar? How many times have we talked about that at TFWP? Invest in something that's boring. Invest in something that's um, not sexy or glamorous to talk about uh, at a party. He talks about shopping different mutual funds. And, of course, mutual funds back in the 80s and 90s were a much uh, bigger thing. Uh, in fact, they were an emerging thing almost at that point. And he says, you just pick one that seems to have a good rate of return, do a little bit of shopping, um, go to a, one of these brokerage houses, whether it's Schwab or Ameritrade or T. Rowe Price or E-Trade or whatever, they all have um, their own proprietary uh, mutual funds and put the money in there. And yeah, you keep an eye on it a little bit, but the money comes out every month and you put that into stock. He also mentions putting it into uh, ETFs, which are is an initials for exchange traded fund. And basically these are more mechanical funds. There's not somebody investing the money per se. These are more mechanical funds that that index or or follow certain industries or countries or, you know, even um, uh, the Dow Jones. Um, it's a mechanical, statistical, uh, mathematical investment. Which, you know, if, if you're investing along the lines of the the Dow Jones over the whole bunch of last years, forty years, the return is going to be. I think it's like eleven or twelve percent. Not bad. Not bad. You know, here, here's an aside for you. I was recently uh, uh, a guest on somebody's show, and, and they wanted me there to talk about personal finance. And so before the show began, everyone was asking me for, uh, you know, investment advice or their quick tip or their one thing or, you know, some kind of comment about that. And my response was, you know, um, first of all, I'm, I'm not here to provide investment advice because I'm, I'm not really the person to talk to about that. I'm not going to talk about specific issues or investments. I'm not really qualified to do that. And they were, they were pretty crestfallen. And then they told me what their five or six 
um, stocks that they had uh, in their fund, and this was their particular magical mix. And they said, "What do you what do you think about that?" And I said, "Well, you know, I, I'm not going to give you specific advice, but it sounds like you're diversified, and it sounds like you've got." Uh, you know, companies, you own stock in companies that are doing pretty well or say they seem pretty well, you know, situated in the market. They're rather successful. I guess that sounds all right. But again, I'm not going to comment on any specific issue. And I said, you know, if you invest with the long view, if you invest consistently, if you invest in something that's diversified, and I said mutual funds or ETFs, I think you're going to be okay. It's it's not sexy. It's not inviting, but it's the it's the adv- advice that I would provide more or less and it's it's also the advice that Chilton is is providing in his book. So, think about that. Not sexy, not glamorous. Something pick a mutual fund, something that's not that exciting. Choose it, stay with it, kind of keep an eye on it. And it'll just grow uh, over time. Now, the, the author admits that this advice in his book is not that complicated. And you know what? It's not. It's, it's common sense stuff. As you're reading the book, you go, yeah, that makes so much sense. That's so basic. Yeah, I could have thought of that. But a lot of times we don't because, you know, the ball game's coming up on TV or we're meeting friends or we got stuck in traffic or we need to go out and, you know, mow the lawn or meet a friend, whatever. We get caught up in our day-to-day stuff and we don't look at the big, long picture. But like we've said so many times on the podcast, it's kind of ironic that it's the simple things that are many times the most powerful things. They're like intrinsic truths in life. And something long-term with a reasonable rate of return is going to provide you something very, very powerful in your life in the long run. So there you have it. The Wealthy Barber by David Chilton. That's my review. That's my take. Um, You know, I talk about this um, on the air quite a bit. Brian and I are always going back and forth on a lot of these things. But it was still a very informative and enjoyable read. I like the novel format of it. It takes a little while to get caught up in the story. But once you do, you just keep going through it, through it, through it. And it's a very enjoyable novel. I mean, he really calls it a novel more than anything else. It's entertaining. It's powerful. It's simple. And the biggest takeaway, again, is that you should take 10% out of your check or out of your bank automatically every month off the top and pay yourself and then invest it in something with a very long-term view and become a very wealthy person. Check it out. And that's a wrap. This is Dave Hagan, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. As an additional bonus, each month, Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. 
All right, I'm going to read the emails here today because uh, Brian is still on vacation. This is a email from Brian, not the Brian, but a listener named Brian, and says, Hey, Dave, I just graduated from a four-year school, and I moved home. It's not the best situation, but hey, the price is right. Now my parents are charging me rent. What gives? Is this uncool or what? Well, Brian, I don't know. Um, you know, it seems to me that your parents owe you, uh, you know, food and, and, and housing and, and education, at least through high school and, and, and maybe through, uh, you know, your, your undergrad degree. But maybe they're, maybe they're doing you a favor when you move home. I mean, I remember when um, uh, a lot of my uh, classmates uh, moved home um, after a four-year college education. Some of them were just told, hey, do whatever you want for the next year. You can just sit here and sit in the sun or lay by the pool or whatever. Well, me, I mean, I had to get out. I had to make some money. Um, but maybe they're, maybe they're doing you a favor, not by letting you just coast. Maybe they're doing you a favor by, by charging you some rent. Um, you you want to really be able to understand and feel what it's like to get out there and and, uh, you know, get a paycheck or earn some money and how much of it's going to go towards uh, rent because it, it's a sizable amount for almost everybody. Housing is our, our largest uh, monthly expense. So if they're not charging you any money and you're getting a check, assuming that you're working, um, it gives you a false impression in terms of how much money you have floating around each month at, at that income level. So maybe, maybe they're doing you a favor. Another thought, maybe... Your folks have a mortgage on the property. Maybe they have expenses that they need to meet, and maybe having you move home and be around and um, you know buy food for you and all these other things. Maybe that expense is something that they can't uh, absorb anymore. Forget the should or shouldn't. Maybe they can't absorb that anymore, and and you need to contribute. So I think that's something certainly to uh, to think about too. Now, what would be totally cool is if they obviously don't need that money, they could take it and put it into uh, uh, you know some account and and give it to you at some point someday. But uh, that's kind of up to them. That's at, at their discretion. So I think they're kind of doing you a favor. It's a little abrupt. It's a little, um, you know, it's coming at you kind of quick. Um, but I think it's going to be a good lesson for you. It's going to be a good experience for you. And uh, I think in the long term, it's going to give you a real sense of, you know, what you got to make to to where you got to live, even if it's totally uncool to be paying rent for your own room. That's my take, Brian. I don't know if that's what you wanted to hear, but that's my two cents. You know, so I think that's a wrap for this week. We've got the book review that we did on uh, The Wealthy Barber by David Chilton. We've got an interesting little email, and I think that's enough to think about this week. Tune in next week. We're going to talk about the latest skirmish in the cable TV wars with something called Locast. This is Dave Hagen, and you've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to financial success. If you have a question that you would like Dave to answer on the podcast, go to thefinancialwellnesspodcast.com. You can leave an audio message with one click of a button or type your message into the question box. Either way, it's sent right to Dave's phone. Remember, 
Dave will randomly draw from the submitted questions and pick the winner of a free one-hour personal conversation with Dave to help you achieve your financial goals. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you receive the new episode notifications or share the podcast via the app with your family and friends. This is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.